If you have a copy of the Word of God tonight and want to turn with us, I'll be in the book of 1 John. 1 John chapter number 3. First John <clears throat> chapter number three. Again, thank you for being in the house of the Lord. It's praying about the service for tonight, throughout the week, and the Lord kept doing my heart and bringing me back to a phrase here in these verses. I'm going to read two verses tonight. And uh, look at these and try to deal with this phrase out of the Word of God as the Lord will permit us and help us. And to trust that maybe it will be a help and a blessing to you tonight. First John chapter 3, when you found your place, if you're able and willing to do so, we'll stand together out of reverence and honor to the reading of the Word of God. First John chapter 3, I want to read verse 1 and 2. Behold, what manner of love... Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I want to preach tonight and deal with the the thought or the subject here or this phrase and it's mentioned in both of these verses, verse 1 and verse 2. Verse number 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. In verse number 2 it says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Uh, the Lord uh, was dealt with my heart this week about being a son of God. That's what I want to preach on tonight or deal with for just a little while. The Lord will help me and you'll pray for me on what it means to be a son of God or a child of God. The, the term Son of God, it, it applies to both men and women. It, it is the term that we would use a child of God. It is, uh, it applies to all who are saved by the grace of God. Here in the scripture, John, we know that the epistle of John is what we would call a family letter. It is written to and addressed to the saved. John never deals with sinners. In his letter. If he does, it is a caution to the saved of how to conduct themselves in front of the unsaved. Or to limit their relationships or entanglements with those who are unsaved. But John writes and is instructing those of us who are saved by the grace of God. And he says in verse number one, behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Now that's a big term for us, the human race, to be called the sons of God. 
It's a big deal for you and I who are saved by the grace of God to be called the sons of God. I, I really think in these days that uh, because of the day we live in and uh, the word Christian is thrown around real loosely in these days, uh, uh, there's a very great misunderstanding about what being a Christian really is. Just going to church does not make you a Christian. Being tied to some religious organization does not make you a Christian. But the Bible said that the disciples, where the word Christian originated, was in Antioch, where the disciples were first called Christians. In the book of Acts, the first days of the early church under persecution, when they sought their life and pressed them sore, and yet they would not give up or give in, but they continually held to the leadership, the standards, and examples of the Christ that came before them. And the word Christian means to be Christ-like, and so the world looked at the church and said, there's so much like him, we're going to call them Christians. I think there's a great misunderstanding. I'm talking about among those of us who are really saved. I think there's a lot of people in the church that claim the title Christian or claim to be a child of God that are probably not saved. But but I also believe that those of us who are saved But there's a great misunderstanding or we are struggling or need help grasping what it truly means to be a child of God or a son of God. It's a big deal for us to be called the sons of God. John says, behold, to focus or fasten all your attention upon what's getting ready to be said. He said, behold, what manner of love He said, if you want a demonstration of the love of God for man, it would be that God identifies us as his children. What manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we who are sinners by nature, by practice, and by choice, that we who are aliens, who are estranged from God, who are offenders and transgressors of the law of God, who the wrath of God abode upon us in time past. Paul said we walk after the course of this world. I had our conversation among the world according to our own deceitful lust. Those of us who have been saved, that God would take us from that position and save us and put us in the family and now call us the Son of God. What a, what a thought that we should be called the sons of God. He said, beloved, now are we the sons of God. Now, there's a lot of people who will say that you get saved and then there'll come a day either later on in life or somewhere in eternity that we become the sons of God. Or that we never really become a son of God until we stand before Him. We're not standing before Him one day to see whether or not we're saved. There's nowhere in this book that says that. We will stand before Him as the saved and give an account for every deed done in the body, whether it be good or evil. We will give an account to him. But the Bible said, now are we the sons of God. 
If you're saved, if you've been washed in the blood, if you have received Christ according, that's the language according to scriptures. There's a lot of people in this day that say just accept Christ and you won't find that anywhere in the word of God. You say, but preacher, you're splitting hairs. No, it's important for us to biblically understand what the Bible says about being saved and born again. And Paul never, nor any other preacher, Christ never said anything about accepting him. I'm not trying to get too tied on it, but to accept something. It carries the notion that you deserve it. We didn't deserve him. We don't deserve to be saved. If we got what we deserve, we'd all be in hell. The Bible said we better give thanks that he hath not dealt with us according to our transgressions. Because if he did, the only attribute that governs God is his holiness. And that holiness demands judgment upon sin. So if he dealt with us according to our sins, we'd be in hell. That's That's what we deserve. But we don't deserve Him. We don't deserve to be saved. We don't deserve to be in the family. We don't deserve to be a son of God. But the Bible said as many as received Him. To them gave He power to become the sons of God. And so that lets me know that it's not a work that we can do. It takes supernatural power to make a man, woman, boy, or girl to be a part of the family of God. To receive Christ means that you don't deserve it. But because of His grace and His mercy, He extends Himself to you and you receive Him by faith. And through that faith that's given unto you, there comes power for you to become the Son of God. So what does that mean? If we, I think, and the Lord's dealt with my heart, and it may be more like a, a Bible study and maybe a slower gear, but the Lord's really dealt with my heart about this. What does it mean then? I think it's important for us to have a Bible understanding of our standing in the family of God. I'm not saying for us, and there's nothing that I'll say tonight, nor nothing that the Scripture will say that that gives us any room for bragging on our part. No boasting in us. But it does speak to us about what we have now in Christ as the Son of God. What it means for us to be a son of God. What does that mean? What does the Bible say that that means for us as the people of God? I have three things on my heart the Lord dealt with my heart about from the Word of God. Number one, for you to be a, a son of God or a child of God means that you are a part of His family. Now that's a big deal. And it's a, I already said it, kind of gotten ahead of myself, but it is a supernatural work that you are a part of the family of God. John 1.12 is where the scripture is, for as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. It is a supernatural work to become a part of the family of God. Galatians chapter 4, there are two other scriptures that I'll look at quite often tonight. You don't have to turn there, but I can't quote all of this. But Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 5. The Bible speaks here, Paul's writing of the church at Galatia about us being heirs or a part 
of the family of God. And he says in verse number four, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. So we've been adopted into the family of God. That we become a literal part of the family. And this is not the only place in the Word of God. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 15. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit, capital S, of adoption. Now I was reading this and trying to study and letting the Lord guide my thoughts as best I could and have the discernment to do so. And I felt nudged to read after a writer and I began to read. And he made this statement. He said in physical adoption, all that's given is a decree or a writing of adoption. And that would be wonderful if God gave us a decree. He did in His Word. He decreed it to be so that every man, woman, boy, or girl that's ever saved, they become a part by adoption of the family of God. We become, through adoption, the sons of God. That's wonderful. But that's as far as physical adoption can go. But God goes farther than just a writing or a decree. He literally gives us the nature of a child of God. That's what the Bible said. We have received the Spirit, capital S, of adoption. When we get saved, we become through the supernatural power of God, a Son of God, the Holy Spirit, takes up a boat inside of us, and that Spirit regenes us. We have been regenerated. That word literally means to be regened. And we now have the nature of a child of God living inside of us. That's the work of the spirit of adoption. That's what the scripture's going at when it says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. You have been regened. And your genetic makeup physically is where you get your characteristics from and your behavior and your nature. And thank God, He regened us. The inner man has now the Spirit of God living inside Him. And so we've received the Spirit, capital S. We don't just have a decree or have it in writing. Thank God that we do. But God goes farther and imparts the very nature of a child in us. When a child is adopted literally in this world, if they're adopted at a later age, they have to learn how to be a part of the family they've been adopted by. Now, I will say that sanctification and separation are progressive works in the life of a believer. But we're not here learning how to be a child of God. We have the nature of a child of God living inside of us. We're learning how to submit ourselves to the nature that's in us already. Does that make sense? We're not here. I'm not here tonight preaching to tell you how to be. No, I don't think there's any preacher that's qualified to tell you how to be a child of God. We just preach about how to submit our flesh, crucify our flesh, and submit ourselves to the nature that already lives inside of us. 
We're already a part of the family. We're not trying to figure out how to be a son of God. We are a son of God. And the nature of God lives inside us. And that doesn't mean that we can be sinlessly perfect. We ought to strive for it. We'll never attain it in this life, but it ought to be the desire of every child of God to sin less and less and less. To put the spirit of the flesh in submission so that the nature of the child of God can shine forth and we live and conduct our lives Monday through Sunday as a son or a daughter of God. See, if you're saved and you're a son of God, a daughter of God, a child of God, that means you're a part. You're not just a part. When you get adopted physically in this world, they don't just say, I'm going to adopt you two days a week. They don't say you're just going to be part of my family two days a week. We could get a little tighter than that. They don't say you're going to be a part of my family about four hours a week. And all them other hours, you can do whatever you want to. It don't work that way. You're either a part of the family or you're not a part of the family. And I understand there's a progressive work. Now I'm not preaching at anybody. I'm still in the progressive work and so are you. But we are all learning more from Him through the preach Word of God and the fellowship of the Spirit of God how to crucify ourselves by the help of God so that the nature of the child living in us can come forth and we conduct ourselves every hour of every day as a child of God if you're a part of the family you're a part of the family every day every hour, every minute of every day you're a part of the family of God when we get up in the morning and go wherever it may be that we go to work, to school, to whatever we are a part of the family of God just as much there as we are here tonight assembled together there's such a misunderstanding in the world if we if we, if I was to preach tonight the, the concept that's going on in our world today that has taken the church hold, then I would preach to you that while we're here for an hour or however long we're here, that you're a son of God and when we dismiss and go out the door, you're no longer a son of God anymore. That's the mindset of the world we live in. That's the mindset of the church world that we're living in. We're just God's child about four hours a week, a couple of services a week, a day or two a week, and that's all. But that's not according to the Word of God. The spirit of adoption lives. It takes up His abode. Christ said the Comforter, the Holy Ghost, would abide with you. The word abide means to set up a dwelling place. And that's what he did and does when you get born again. He abides in you. He's the spirit of adoption. When you go to do something and you get this feeling on the inside or this red flag goes up and you think, I probably ought not do that. That's the spirit of adoption. That's the nature of the child of God that you are coming out of you by the aid of the Spirit, capital S, of adoption. It's His will. The Bible said who He did foreknow, those He also did predestinate. Don't let that word scare you. It's an after salvation term. It means our destination, our end product is already predetermined and we are determined to come uh, be conformed to the image of His dear Son. When the Lord looks at you, He does not see you for you. 
He sees you for Christ. We better thank God for that. He sees His Son in us because the spirit of adoption is already living inside us. And so we're part of the family. That spirit of adoption, it's in Galatians chapter 4. It's in Romans chapter number 18. But it goes farther than just the spirit of adoption. Now, here in Romans chapter 8, and if you mark or write or take notes, you might ought to write this down. In Romans chapter 8 and verse number 15, it says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby through the spirit, capital S, of adoption, we cry, Abba, Father. That's our address now to God. And He included everybody. Abba, is a Jewish term. It's a term of endearment. It's an intimate term. We in English would probably translate it daddy. In the Hebrew, it is literally translated my father. Not just father, but my father. A personal, intimate relationship. He belongs to us. We belong to him. And we now can address him as so because we are part of the family. And he included everybody. Abba is a Jewish term. Father here is a Gentile term. A Greek term. And so we, we all, he, there's no Jew or Gentile. We're all one family now in the eyes of God. He broke down the middle wall of partition. Made both Jew and Gentile. Same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him. But it goes a little farther. For you see, it's not just in Romans chapter 8 about this Abba Father. But it's in Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 6. It says, now we read up verse number 5, to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. That's what we got, the Spirit, capital S of adoption in Romans chapter 8. Galatians chapter 4 says, and because ye are sons, not that you're going to be, but you are now God has sent forth, now look at this, the Spirit, capital S, of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You say, what does that mean? Well, if you turn to Mark's Gospel, chapter 14, I think it is, when Jesus goes into the garden to pray alone. He leaves the disciples tells them to watch and pray. And the Bible said he went a little further. He was going where no other man could go. He was not just a man. He was the man, the God man. And when he fell on his knees in the garden to pray, he addressed his father as Abba, Father. And so what Paul is telling the Galatian Christians because there was such a burden of the law upon them. There were false teachers and preachers who had come in telling them that they had to be saved by faith but also keep the works of the law. And Paul said, we've not got the spirit of bondage. We've received the spirit of adoption. And that adoption, God has put the spirit of His Son into our hearts. And literally, what Paul is saying is now, because you are now the Son of God, you have the right to address the Father as Christ addresses the Father. That's a big deal. That we have the privilege, the opportunity, 
and not the right. We, we, we don't even know in these days. There's such a misunderstanding about what rights are. And everybody says they want rights. But I'm going to tell you because of the work of God in us, He has given us the right to address God as Father. Because we are now a part of the family. The spirit of adoption, and Paul says the spirit of His Son is in us. And through that spirit we cry, Abba Father, because we are part of the family. That's what it means to be a son of God, a child of God, is that we're a part of the family. Not only does it mean that we're a part of the family, and it's more than just a legal work, it is a supernatural work in us. Somebody said it like this, I was reading, and I thought it was worth noting. It says that God as the judge, that's what God's holiness does for sin. He judges sin. He's the righteous judge. Paul stood on the shores there of Athens and he told them that they were too superstitious and worshipped an unknown God ignorantly. And Paul said, I'll tell you about Him. And he said, He's appointed a day which He will judge the world in righteousness. He's the judge. And one writer said, God is the judge drives us to Christ. When we get to Christ, Christ saves us and becomes our mediator. And then He sends us back to God as a son. Ain't that something? That we are transgressors and offenders. But through the work of God, through the work of Christ, we we have received the nature of a son. And so now we approach Him as Father. We're part of the family. Not only are we part of the family, but the Scripture teaches us that we are a partaker of the Father's possessions. Everything He has is ours because we're part of the family. Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 7, Wherefore, thou art no more a servant but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. So we're heirs. And the Bible goes on to say in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 17, uh, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. And then that verse that everybody quotes, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us in context that's speaking about being an heir of God. Because we are a part of the family, then it means that we are partakers of all the Father has. And we have hope because of that. In the the Scripture, Hebrews chapter 1 and verse number 2 said that God made Christ the heir of all things. And so we're heirs with Him, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. And in Bible days, the firstborn was the only one who got the real inheritance, the blessing. That's why there was such a struggle between Esau and Isaac. When Isaac stole the birthright, that was the inheritance, the blessing of the firstborn. But now the Bible speaks the fact that we are the church of the firstborn. We are all going to be treated equally as the firstborn in the eyes of God. 
And so because we're a son of God, been adopted in the family now, we live in a world and uh, a lot, you know, human nature. And I understand that the Lord can do great things and I've met a lot of people who have adopted children and treat them as if they were their own flesh and blood. But the reality is that many people, those struggle sometimes internally because those that are adopted are not born of us, of our blood. But thank God, when we get saved, He views us as His Son. And so we're all partakers of all, So the relationship that the Father has with the Son, that same relationship is available to us as the people of God. A fellowship, an intimate walk, a relationship. And the writers of old understood it hand in hand. We walk each day hand in hand along the way. Walking thus I cannot stray hand in hand with Jesus. That's the relationship that is available to a child of God. He walks with me and talks with me and tells me I am His own. That's available to every child of God. It's, we have been made a partaker in that because we are a part of the family. But then I'll say and I'll be done. Not only... Are we a part of the family and a partaker of the Father's possessions? This kind of overlaps a little bit with what was taught, I think, Sunday morning in the Sunday school hour. But to be a son of God not only means that you're part of the family and a partaker of the Father's possessions, but it means that you are peculiar because you are the Father's possession. You've been purchased by the Father. And here in the Scripture, in the very verse that we read, Verse number one, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, because we are the sons of God, the world knoweth us not because it knew Him not. He was peculiar from the world and so we are peculiar from the world. In Romans chapter 8, verse number 14, I want you to hear this and then I'll be done about being peculiar. It says... In Romans chapter 8, verse number 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit, capital S, of God, they are the sons of God. If you're a child of God, a son of God, then you are led by the Spirit of God. Now I want you to notice what that verse says and what it does not say. It says you are led by the Spirit of God. It does not say you are driven by the Spirit of God. There is a work of submission that must take place in the life of the child of God. And that the Spirit of God may lead us in the right way. That's what David spoke about in Psalm 23. He leadeth me beside the still waters. We are led. One writer said we are led in many ways. Said we are led as a tutor is led by, or as, as a, a, a school person, a school student is led by their tutor or their schoolmaster. He leads us, instructs us, and guides us. He said we are led as a, as a traveler is led by their guide. They don't know the way to go. And so they have to have someone to lead them. That is the way it is to work. It does work that way with the sons of God. The Spirit leads us. We don't know the way we ought to take. And so it's the, that spirit of adoption is living in us and it leads us in the way we should go as a child of God. 
And then finally they said that we're led like a soldier is led by their captain. We take our orders from the Spirit of God. That is right. He is the final authority. He ought to be the reason. I had a conversation with somebody this week about different things. One particular thing come up about the way people act and live. And I said, they ought not to do. I said, I got a good church. But it's not, I'm not preaching for them to do what's right because I said so or for me. If we're a child of God, we do it because we are led by the Spirit of God. There's a new nature living in us. And if we'll die out to self, <clears throat> crucify our flesh by the help of God, and let that new nature live through us. That's what Paul was talking about. And I feel like I quote that verse about every other service. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I. Christ liveth in me. That's what Paul was talking about to the church at Galatia. He said that in Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20. And then in Galatians chapter 4, he said the Spirit of the Son lives in you. So the life we now live in the flesh, we don't get rid of the flesh until we check out of here. But the new nature living inside of us, the spirit of adoption, the spirit of the Son, the spirit that we're led by, capital S, it teaches us how to lay aside, it empowers us to crucify our flesh and to follow the nature living in us. That's why we ought to walk different, talk different, dress different, act different, is because there is something different inside of us. The reason why, and I, <clears throat> I'm not bragging on me by any means. And if the, the Lord tells me to do it, I will. But I'm going to tell you the reason why so many people that are in church walk around with their head down is because they're trying to do what they do to please a man or a system or a group of people. And when you do it that way, when you approach your Christian life that way, it produces bondage. And, and Christ does not, ne- He never produces bondage. It always is liberty. Not liberty to do as we want, but liberty to do as we ought, as we're led by the Spirit of God. And if we do what we do because we love Him and He's leading us, then it will produce liberty and freedom in your life. Coming to church won't be a bondage. You say, preacher, are you saying that you can be saved and feel like church is a bondage? Absolutely. If you're doing it for the wrong reason. Dressing right can become bondage. Walking right can become bondage. If you're doing it to please some man or somebody or some group of people, do it because you're led by the Spirit of God. And I'm not, if the Lord tells me to do it, whatever He wants me to do by the help of God, I'll do. But you can't push somebody who's only been saved two years and to live like they've been saved for 30. It's a progressive work. Learning to submit to God and let the new nature live through us. It's a progressive work. We could all, it doesn't matter how long you've been saved, and I'm done. 
doesn't matter how long you've been saved, but we could all stand tonight and say we should be farther down the road than we are tonight. But thank God we're not where we used to be. And that we have made a little progress along the journey. And that, that nature is working. It's not just working sometimes. It's all that the Spirit worketh continually in us. The question is, are you going to submit to His help and crucify your flesh and let it work out of you? Not just in you. Thank God He is working in us, but He also wants to work out of us. And that's what it means to be a child of God. Is that we're a part of the family. Every day. Every hour. We're a partaker of all the Father possesses. That relate, and that, you know, people say that and we preach that and everybody automatically because of the way our flesh is wired, we go straight to monetary possessions. That's not, we're partakers of the relationship that the Son has with the Father. That should thrill us more than anything else that we have been brought in, we have been introduced, reconciled unto God and given that relationship because the Son lives in us. And then we're peculiar. We belong to Him. He paid a great price for us. A great price. The Father gave everything heaven had when He gave Christ. And He gave Him for you. And Christ gave Himself for you. So that He might redeem us to Himself. A peculiar people. Belong. That literally, and I'm not, the, the Bible is perfect. And I'm not trying, but what that verse should say to you is that Christ died for you so you could belong 100% to Him. Everything about you. That's why the Bible said we're to glorify God in our body and our spirit which both belong to God. I hope maybe you've got some help tonight about what the Bible means, what the Bible says, what it means to be a child of God. It's a special thing. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Father, I thank you, Lord, tonight for the privilege and the opportunity to have been in your house tonight with your people. Lord, I've tried my best to 